I understand that we're asking really hard questions. I understand that the things that we talk about as followers of Jesus are, are very fundamental to who you are as a human being. It's some of the most primal uh, questions we can ask. And the reason I think that we struggle so much to articulate it is because it's just right there on the fringe of knowability. You know what I mean? Like, you have to use all your capacities to begin to sing songs like unshakable, unchangeable, everything. And yet it's so simple, right? The truth that God is God and we are not. But that claim on your life will just rock it to the core. Because most of us are raised to believe that we are God, you know? I mean, if you think about it, the world revolves around you, doesn't it? I love babies. Do you love babies? Some people don't like babies, and that's okay. If you don't like babies, you can you not like babies. Everybody don't have to like them. I guess if half of us like them, that's probably enough, you know, to take care of the situation. I mean, but I love them, and yet it's just, what, what, what do you want? What, what can I get you? What, what, it's all about you. Can I bring you something? And they just cry. And you're like, oh, the baby wants a change. You ever been in a room full of adults with one baby and a bunch of pr- former parents or current parents but former parents of babies? You all take turns with the magic touch. You know what I mean? Like, like no, no, let me have him. I know what he needs. You know? <laughs> because you're somehow so wise. And after like five minutes, all the other people in the room are going, okay, seriously, it's my turn. You know, you don't know what you're doing. No, this always worked for my child. You know what I mean? It's just to say that when we're born, we're born that the whole world revolves around us. God shows up and says, I'm sorry, (laughs) that's me. The whole world doesn't revolve around you. It simply doesn't. You're created and I'm your creator. These are fundamental concepts that we believe as followers after Jesus, right? And so because of that, what we teach and what we talk about and what we try to live out is a very difficult thing for people. It's very hard. And we shouldn't underestimate how difficult that is. So for the next few weeks, I want to spend some time going through the big story that we're caught up in with God. The big story. And, and uh, it's funny because you, you, we might think that um, this would begin with what? The big story. If you're going to tell the big story of God, where do you start with the big story? Creation. Yeah, I mean, that's where the book of the Bible starts, doesn't it? If you open the Bible up in the very beginning, right? That's what it says, you know? Creation was the first thing. But you know, I, ironically enough, that's not, that's not the beginning of the big story. The beginning of the big story is actually, uh, I'm going to say and pull it up here for you. It's actually karate dogs. <laughs> that's what it is. It's actually, it's actually karate dogs. That's the big, that's the beginning of the big story. And you're seriously karate dogs, you know. It's the unexpected truth. You see, I love this. I, are you a fan, a fan of Basset Hounds? Look at this guy. He just got his, his bell rung by Mr. Laying on my back. You know what I mean? And uh, I feel like that a lot of times. You know, just kakish. You know, you don't expect it. It comes out of nowhere. Hi-ya! That's the big story. It's a weird thing to say, isn't it? It doesn't begin with creation, it begins with Hi-ya. You see, Hi-ya isn't just about karate dogs. Hi-ya is what God says the first time he's asked, Who are you again? 
And it happens in the third chapter of Exodus. And we're going to study that together today. The third chapter of Exodus. But as we open the word, let's pray and then dig into the text together. Father God, we thank you for this day, the day that you have made, the day that you foreknew would come into being, Father. And and today, all of us here, you knew our hearts, you knew our conditions, and yet you've drawn us here today, Father. We pray that we would come expectantly studying, looking for the places that you are moving in our lives in unexpected ways, that you would be glorified, that we could know you more deeply and more fully, that you may shake the very foundations of who we are. We love you and thank you for all you've done for us, through us, and to us. In the name of Jesus, our, our Master and Lord. Amen. So we're going to go in the book of Exodus, the third chapter. And this is, and this is a, by way of a, a retelling here. So I want to talk about it a little bit and we'll get into the whole thing. But I want to hear the whole story real quick. Many of us know the story of Moses. But let's just read from verses 1 through 14 together. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the, side, the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, where the, people, where the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. And so Moses thought, well, I'll go over there and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals because the place you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses began to hide his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? That, you should, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this, is, will, this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And that's the story that we get. It's a huge story because it's the first time that God self-refers to him. You know what I mean? With human beings. It's the first time that God says, I am. It's at the very end there in, in 14 where he says, I am who I am, right? And, and I want to try, do a little something with you because this is, this is kind of fun and easy to remember. But you know what the word is, don't you? What's the word? Hayah. 
That's the word. You know, whenever he says, who should I say sent me? He goes, hi-ya. That's what he said. And I thought, well, that's kind of crazy. And I listened to the audio. I thought, that's not really hi-ya, right? So I press the little play button on the Bible study tool. And it goes like, hi-ya. You know, it's not all official. Hi-ya. 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 My kids came in the room and thought I was playing a video game. Like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm like, Bible study? Hi-ya. Hi-ya. They thought I was joking. You know? There's the truth. It's like, hi-ya. He shows up. So let's practice that together. Ready? Hi-ya. There you go. Get a little karate chop action. Hi-ya. Yeah. You know? One more time. Hi-ya. Oh, some of you guys are not participating. That's okay. Get your G.I. Joe action figure at home later, you know, and just a little wrist, the waist action. That's what he does. He says, I am. And it's earth shattering. It's earth shattering. And it changes everything. You see, they, Moses had his, he knew the traditions and, and, and everything, but to say, God, I exist. Boy, it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? He actually says, Haya, Asher, Haya. I am that I am, right? Or I am what I am. I had a friend of mine one time that had a ball cap and he was going to put something on it. He thought, you know, he wanted to make it um, uh, God honoring. And he put, um, I am that I am on his ball hat. <laughs> and then someone else who saw it kept making fun of him for being Popeye, you know? I am that I am, <laughs> you know? If you remember Popeye with the big biceps. Well, he was a little offended by it because he's like, it's the name of God, dude. And it's like, Okay, Popeye, <laughs> you know. But that, that's what it says. I am that I am. I am that I am. When you're speaking to God, he's saying, I exist. You know, here's the problem. So many of us that would even claim belief in God talk about God as if he isn't. Do you know what I mean? So many of us have a tendency to say, oh yeah, God, got it, that's nice. And then we move on as if he's not. I'll tell you what, we live in a culture where people will say, well, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it, you know? And, I've, and I've, uh, I think many of you know that I was former, uh, a former atheist. I mean, I was a non-believer, not for a little while, for a long time, you know what I mean? Born and raised in church and then a non-believer for a long time. I'm not bragging about that. It was a long time I could have been following Jesus, and I wasn't, and I was apostate. And only by his grace and mercy did he love me back into the kingdom, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how much mercy and grace he had on me. And yet, in that time, I was just convinced I knew it all. I knew everything. I get it. I got it. You know what I mean? And so, I was really intrigued whenever... By the way, I want to say the Word of God is what changed my life. I told you that before. The Word of God is what changed my life. But I want to show you something you can do with, a, with someone who would say that they're an atheist. That they know that there is no God. It, it's a fact. Right? It, it's an absolute fact. And then we're going to get back into the Word and talk about how God reveals himself. So, um, what you do, you have one on your paper. If you've got one of those cards today and you have a pen with you, there's a little circle there, right, at the bottom. And this is something somebody did with me and I was like, wow, no kidding, that's crazy, you know? And so what you do is you take a pen and paper and you just draw a little circle on it. Some of you may have heard this before. You draw a circle on it and you say, let's assume for the moment that this circle is everything you've ever known, every experience you've had, everything you've ever been taught, everything, the totality of your existence, all your knowledge, everything you've experienced in your life is right there in that circle. Fair enough? Yeah. And you're saying God doesn't exist. It's not possible. Right? So then the next question that we ask is, well, is it possible that God exists somewhere outside of that circle? Or maybe that God um, 
that the truth that leads to understanding God, because we're not going to say God doesn't exist in that circle. You see, because so many times when we're denying God, we're just lying to ourselves. I mean, it takes so much faith to be a non-believer. So much faith to believe this is all there is. And, and, and in our finite knowledge, is the truth out there somewhere? Well, you can get two responses at this point, you know. And I'll tell you what I would have said. It's not possible. <laughs> nope. That's what I would have told you if you'd asked me this. You'd have said, well, if you're always, is it possible? I said, no. Well, I've been lying. And I didn't know when I was lying. Because of course it's possible. But if you say no, it's not possible, guess what that means? That means you are God. That's what it means. It means if, if, it's, if it's not possible, if there's no way, then you're God. And you're omniscient. And you know everything. Right? And there's a lot of people that take that position, as bizarre as it sounds. It simply, it doesn't meet any reasonable mind. But if not, and if it's possible that the truth is somewhere that you've yet to find it, you've let to, yet to see it, you've let to be told or hear it or understand it or receive it, which is always, I think, our, our root problem is our pridefulness. We, we want to be God. We want his throne. He's in the way. You know? Then, you're no longer an atheist. You're no longer saying there is no God. You're saying, there might be. So I was doing this, I was studying for this, uh, for the message, and, and I had heard this, like I said, years ago, and, uh, and I thought, you know, that's really cool, right? I mean, it's something you can do with a friend. If, if they're just saying, oh, there's no God, you can say, well, is it possible? Now, here's the great thing. If it's possible, then we can start talking. If it's not possible, you're God, I don't believe that, so we can't really have a conversation anymore about it, because I don't really believe you're God. I'm sorry. I just don't believe it, you know? And so, so if it's possible, we can talk. Well, someone, uh, I was researching and someone said, this is a horrible thing to use. Because here's the problem. This also means that if, 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 if they're not in the circle, that we might not know stuff too. And so this doesn't help us witnessing. Because we might not know stuff. <laughs> I went, oh my gosh, is that where we're at? Do we really think we know everything? Do you know what I mean? In other words, we have to be willing to sit down and have a conversation with someone. We have to be willing to listen to where their heart is and where they're at and what they believe about the world. Everything that we do functions from something that we believe at the core of who we are. And so we have to be willing to listen to that. And then through our own experience, knowledge, and revelation from God, we can begin to say, yeah, but you know, here's the problem with that. Man, you're right there, though. I, 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 you know, God can use that in my life. That's not a bad thing. To, to know that we haven't got it all figured out yet have a little humility, right, when we come to learn about God with others. But the beautiful thing about this is, it starts a conversation. It starts a conversation. You see, the big story, in the big story, the first truth that we've got to understand before we understand anything else is that God is. That God is. It's the Hayah principle. It's the very first thing we have to understand is that God is. And second is like it. That we aren't God. That we're not. It's by his grace and mercy he's revealed himself to us. See, many yet-to-be believers just won't believe it. They just won't. They, they say, I can't, but they won't. Oh, I just won't believe it. And many of us believers don't believe it. 
We don't believe it. So here we have Moses at the end of this conversation. And by the way, if you don't think this is strange that he says this to God, he says, you know, God says, I'm going to send you. He sees this weird spectacle and God says, I'm going to send you. And his first thing is an objection to the Lord Almighty. I mean, this is, this is Yahweh. This is the Holy God. And, and Moses is like, yeah, I hear what you're saying and everything, Lord, but um, who am I? And what should I do whenever they give me trouble about it? They're going to say, who are you? And then he answers, I am that I am. Tell them that I am has sent you to them. And this is what Moses does. It reminds me of um, taking a message, you know. I don't know, it's funny, we got this kind of celebrity culture. And uh, some people even prank people with this, you know. Where they'll get a call and they'll be like, oh! I can't believe who this really is, you know, on the phone. And I think it's got to be the most insane moment for Moses to be like, um, yeah, right, burning bush. And who should I say? And he's like, I am. And Moses is like, oh, one second, <laughs> you know? I mean, he's just like, wow, God is. You might think, oh, who could forget that? I mean, he's Moses, right? Well, he asked the question, didn't he? And by the way, if you know anything about Moses' story after this, he asks a lot more questions of God. He keeps saying, well, you got it wrong, Lord. Well, I know what you think you're trying to do here, but I got some advice for you. God is. Let's look at a few things that this text reveals to us about how God moves. Because I, I want you to be uh, on, on watch for this in your life. You know, some people say, God is absent. God, I, I, I don't see God in my life right now. And I'm always troubled. Whenever I get in that place myself, I'm always troubled. The question I have to ask is, am I looking? Am I willing to see him where he is? So this is what we're going to go through here real quick. When God breaks through with Moses, I want you to notice a few things about what happens. It happens during ordinary work. I don't think many of us really, you know, we all show up here on Sundays and we're like, yeah, and maybe this time, this hour, we're like, we're listening for God. What's God going to say? How's God going to move today? But I wonder when we get in our cars in the morning and we start them up, are we listening? Or I wonder when we walk through the door of our job, are we listening? I wonder whenever we're engaging with a coworker, when we're tucking our kids in at night, whatever it is in our lives, I wonder in that moment, are we present before the truth that God is? in that moment right there before us because he appears here in the ordinary work it says Moses was tending the flock he was just shepherding a bunch of sheep right he appeared during ordinary work on an ordinary day as a matter of fact if you recall Moses was raised in Egypt and fled because he had murdered somebody and so he's been out here in the desert not for a little while for 40 years 40 years since he's been there. It's just another day. There's nothing exceptional about it. Nothing special. The sheep. He's working. And in the moment, in the middle of this, God shows up and reveals himself through ordinary work. Where are you looking for God in your life? He appears to ordinary people. He shows up to Moses. I love that the first verse says he's tending the flock of who? His father-in-law. I mean, he's been there 40 years. He don't even have sheep. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Can you relate to Moses a little bit? Like nothing to claim. It's not even his stuff. He's not even that important, you know? 
ordinary people. Moses is just a guy, a shepherd in the fields, tending the flock of his father-in-law. And we see that a little bit whenever Moses says, who am I? You know, do you know who you're talking to? Yeah, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere with my father-in-law's sheep. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm brimmed for success. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm primed. I'm ready to go. It's, really? You would look at Moses and go, dude, you've got no future. You've got no future in the desert with the sheep. When God breaks through, he does it in unlikely places. It says that Moses was on the far side in the NIV. It, it, some translations say it's the west side. My favorite translation says it was on the back side. <laughs> you know, it was the back side of the mountain. It was the other place. You know, as a matter of fact, it was this place called Horeb, which Horeb literally means a desert place. So he's got sheep and they're out in the desert. It, 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 it comes from the word that means to be laid to waste, to be made waste, to be completely desolate, to be in complete and total ruin. That's what Horeb means. So not only is he shepherding sheep, he's shepherding sheep in the place that everything is lost. That it's just the backside. Nobody's there. God appears in the most unlikely places. And then he appears. And this is the one that's obvious to us. He appears in unexpected ways. Verses 2 through 3 says this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush, right? Now, I want, I want to notice that the angel appears first in the flame of fire in the bush, from the center of the bush. And Moses saw, he looked with his eyes. It literally means he saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So, I guess if that bush was burning on the, the far side of the mountain in the middle of the desert, he'd have been like, oh, there's just another burning bush, <laughs> you know? But he's like, that thing's been burning a long time. And it's still burning. By the way, it's a bush, it's not a tree, is it? It's this kind of little thing. Moses is watching. He's got the, you know, sometimes maybe the ordinary work, God's given us the chance to look around the horizon and see what else is going on. He looks at it. He saw that it did not burn up. And look at what happens. So Moses thought to himself. He begins to ponder it in his heart. And he says, I'm going to go over and see what this strange sight is. Why this bush doesn't burn up? He goes to investigate. You know what this reminds me of, by the way? It reminds me of Peter at the tomb last week. When he hears all the other disciples, they kind of just, the women come running and say, he is risen, he is risen. And all the other disciples are kind of like, okay, you're crazy, you know? And, and Peter's like, whoop, grabs his coat, runs out the door. Gets there and looks at it. This is, the, this is exactly what Moses does here. He runs over and he looks at the strange sight to see why it does. Now look what it says in verse 4. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, when he saw that Moses had responded to what he was trying to reveal to him, when the Lord saw that Moses was paying attention, he spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses. You see the, the order of events there? I can't pretend to know if Moses had been like, huh, that's been burned a long time. Let's go, guys. We got other pastures. If he hadn't been curious, if he hadn't been willing to go and seek, to look, to wonder. You know, Moses is about 80 years old now. An 80-year-old who's still willing to investigate a truth claim? That's a powerful thing, isn't it? We don't talk much about that in our kind of youth-driven culture. But someone who at that age is still like, let's go over and look and see what that's about. And he goes over and checks it out. And when he, he gets there and he's looking at this thing, what's going on? The Lord sees him investigating and speaks. What a beautiful, beautiful text. 
this is for us today. He, he, he um, breaks through, God breaks through, the Haya comes in unexpected ways. Have you ever found yourself drawn a little closer to something? And I know that this might seem like out there, but if, if, if God is, and if we're living in God's world, and if God is always around us, then we should be looking and listening for his presence. And I think that these things are happening and we ignore them so often. And then we step back and complain. God is, God is absent. Really? I think sometimes we are absent. I would encourage you as you see and as you sense those things that you would go and investigate the unlikely places. Oh, God would never show up there. God wouldn't be, that's a little thing. That's so far off. That's weird. God's not there. And you go over and God sees that you care enough to ask. And he says, Moses, Moses, here's the deal. When God shows up, he shows up with a purpose and a plan. He says, I have heard the cries of my people and I have seen their suffering. God is the primary mover here with Moses. I have seen them and I have heard them, he says. That's the purpose. And then he says, here's my plan. I'm going to send you. And Moses says, hey, uh, who, who am I? Who am I that you would send me? And, and what am I going to say? Now, you've got to remember one, more th- one other thing, right? We talked about earlier. Moses is going to what? Go back Go back to where? The place where he killed the guy? Do you remember the last thing that was said from a Hebrew brother to him? They said, who are you that you would lord it over us? Are you going to kill us too? They assumed that Moses was aspiring to some position of authority over them. And so he ran away to the desert. He fled and made a new life for himself. Under the conviction of what he had done, he had murdered an Egyptian. And so here he's like, you're going to send me? You're going to send me back? Surely not, Lord. You're going to send somebody else. But when God breaks through, and this is important, he breaks through for those he has perfectly prepared. And we don't see that. You know, we always say, who am I? You know what I think the response a lot of times is? We see something and you know God's in it. You know God's in it. And you say to yourself, somebody should do something about that. Really? Really? then why is God wasting his time showing it to you? Why? God had a perfect plan with Moses. And he even kept telling Moses the perfect plan. And Moses, you know, kind of fought him and fought him and fought him. And eventually, though, what happened? He let his people go. They were freed from oppression. They were freed from oppression. By this Moses, this one who would say, not me, who am I, who am I? You know, the, um, we did this last week, uh, celebrated Easter. Praise God. He is risen, you know. I, I struggle a little with the cycle of Easter because it's a historical fact. Jesus is alive. You know what I mean? And so we act like it comes every year again, every year again. And you know what's striking is um, he shows up in the most unexpected places. He showed up as Jesus, God did. Haya, the I am, in the incarnation of a small child. Not a big thing. He showed up in the teaching of a few disciples a lot of great truths, wasting three years of his life on about 12 guys and, a whole, and, and maybe a, a few other people who were kind of mingled around and thousands of people who had, who had longed for him to come and say something profound to them. And he was, he was teaching a few people. It was a bit of a spectacle at Golgotha. When there in the crossroads, 
he was hung on a tree. They tacked that thing to his cross. It said, uh, here is the king of the Jews. And all the Jews protested, that's not our king. And people went by and they, oh, oh, that guy. Oh, it was a spectacle, wasn't it? And it was a spectacle on the resurrection. On the resurrection, whenever they ran to the tomb, Peter did, and he, and he looked and he goes, I don't understand what's happening here. But he dared to look closer and he dared to wait until Jesus would appear to him. I don't know where you are today in your walk. I don't know where you are, I, I, even that language is church language. I don't know where you are in your life, but I hope you know that God is there with you, not forsaking you, not leaving you, and always beckoning you forward to believe the truth that he is, that he is. We're going to share communion today. And, uh, and, you know, one of my favorite, uh, you know, I say that all the time, don't I? My favorite Bible verse. I mean, oh, it's the whole thing, isn't it? The Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, you should be reading the Bible, you know. If there's nothing else you're going to do, read the Word. Read the Word with a brother or sister. Read the Word with your wife or your children. Read the Word with somebody. Get into the Word. It's amazing. There's a story that's told in Maus Row where, where Jesus is walking along. Well, we know it's Jesus in hindsight. The guys don't know it. And they're all downcast. And you know what's funny about the story? It's another bread story. And it says that they invited him in to have a meal with them. And he sat down. He was not going to go. And they sat down. And it says he broke bread. And in the breaking of the bread, he was revealed to them. We do this thing called communion. And it's just ordinary bread and ordinary juice. That's what it is. And yet, something happens when the Lord shows up here. Something happens in us. Something happens in our relationship to Him. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to His table. This is not our table. It's the table of the Lord. And, uh, and remember all the truth that is in that. The Hayah, the I Am. As you come forward today and you receive the broken bread, which He broke for you on the cross, know that... Um, it's his work. Know that it's his presence that we remember. He said, every time you do this, every time you gather together and do this, do it in remembrance of me. There's something we call um, Holy Communion. I would invite you today to come up and engage with the great I am.